Welcome to the Sacred Ancestry Podcast, a show about discovering the true human potential. Let's dive deep into physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual health. I'm your host, Thomas Worm. What are you struggling with in life? Is it anger, sadness, or fear? What about the seasonality of wildland fire? What about your relationships? Or your work-life balance? Or alcohol? What about that nicotine? What are you really struggling with? And I'm curious, what have you been doing about it? Have you tried therapy or meditation or journaling? Has anything worked? Did it really help you with those thoughts, those feelings? that you don't even admit that's there? Is what you're doing for your mental health working? And are you free from anger, sadness, fear, anxiety, or depression? Or there's these thoughts and feelings that keep coming back to batter you and smash you, take you deeper into that negative hole. I'm wondering, what are you breathing? What water are you drinking? What foods are you eating? Are you even sleeping well? When's the last time you truly took time for yourself? Have you ever heard of the unconscious mind before? And there's this idea of there being a goal setter and a goal getter. And that goal setter is our conscious mind where we know what we want, we know what we want to focus on, but it's so hard to really take action and actually do it. Like that time where you know you want to quit right when you're walking to the fridge and grabbing that next beer or that cupcake. And really, what about how emotions are stored in our body and not our mind. How these emotions are really stuck in the nervous system. They're stuck electricity. And when we let go of these emotions, it it frees us to be who we want to be. It gives us a stronger immune system. It helps us boost our mind, body, spirit at all levels, right? And what's most important about this is that our internal state is really projected into the external world. And that's what we see, that's what we feel, that's how we experience the world, is through what we believe, what we value, what we think and feel. All those things shape what happens to us in life, doesn't it? I'm curious, is it possible you've created all these problems inside your own mind, inside your own body? The power behind this is that that gives you the chance to unravel, to undo, to let go of all these negative emotions, these limiting beliefs, they could be gone, right? If you created them, well, you can destroy them, right? What will happen when you let go of these raw emotions and these wounds and you heal yourself? What outcome will you get in life? Will your career get better? Will your relationships be healthier? Will your physical body be in better shape? Here at Mountain Mind Tricks, we use the breakthrough session. It's this eight-hour process for wildland firefighters. It's two days, four hours each. And the first portion is story. You tell me your story. And I'm listening in a therapeutic way, but I'm also looking about how. How did you create the anger? How did you create the anxiety? How did you create the trauma? Because once we find out how, we find out exactly how it happens, it's easy just to unwind it, let it unravel just let you undo it yourself. After we do the release work and all the change work, we work on a compelling future where you have a goal, you have a blueprint to walk forward on a path where you're focused and you take action on exactly what you want in life. That's the power of the breakthrough session. You get exactly what you want out of it. 
If you want to release negative emotions, I got you. You want to release limiting beliefs, I got you. You want to find peak performance on the fire line, I got you. What about quitting smoking? Or a better relationship, I got you. So I want you to go to mountainmindtricks.com, click on the discovery session button, and fill out the form. That's mountainmindtricks.com. When you listen to the Sacred Ancestry podcast, you're supporting wildland firefighters and their mental health journey. So thank you, and I appreciate you. Please leave a review and subscribe to the podcast so I can become the best podcaster I can be. You can become a Patreon, which means donating $10 a month will get you two free rollers of essential oils or $50 a month, and that's one free coaching session per month. So I want you to subscribe and leave a review so I can become the best podcaster possible. Thank you, and I appreciate you. Hi, I'm so excited for my guest today. Her name is Dr. KT, and she's a doctor in physical therapy and deals with a lot of holistic medicine and Ayurvedic and yoga, and I'm just ecstatic about this interview because we're going to have so much fun, and we're going to go deep into consciousness, into the five elements, into all sorts of things that are going to help you be more resilient and find higher consciousness. So KT, Dr. KT, can you introduce yourself and and let us know kind of how you got into the field of physical therapy, into holistic medicine, and and what you're doing now? Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Thomas. I'm very grateful to be on this podcast and to be with you with anything ancestral or spirituality and even the sacred, you know, I think it's great. So I'm very grateful for you putting this on and being here. Um, so I got into physical therapy because I wanted to help people, <laughs> was into sports and wanted to help people through that rehab process. It totally evolved over the years. Um, simply because of what I experienced in my life. And I think that's with anybody that is a practitioner that, and even anybody on their own health journey, they find it within themselves. They want to help others. So (laughs) I ended up getting injured pretty badly in a sport that I completely ignored my body, uh, abused it and did not respect the gift I was given and ended up not being able to tolerate certain activities like I was used to. And then continued on my path of not doing the best at taking care of myself and taking more care of other people and focusing on that, which resulted in me finding Ayurveda and yoga. So I really think that this path has been stimulated from um, God, really, um, because I was at such a low point. I just kept praying for answers and guidance to where I can go to help myself, but also help other people, because I began to notice that what I was going through was not unique. It was not individual. Other people are experiencing the same thing, the same, the same everyday shit where you just don't feel good and trying to get up and make life great, but sometimes you can't. So through that process, I kind of unveiled the state of consciousness within myself because I felt so lost from the external support of um, kind of allopathic medicine and just family and other people understanding what I was going through. So by tuning inward, this kind of evolved outward. And I am here today as um, a doctor of physical therapy, functional medicine practitioner, and certified yoga instructor, as well as I do some other mobility work with um, a specific training program. But I'm... I've really been guided down this path to build up a foundation of Western knowledge before going into studying more Ayurveda. And that is where my true heart kind of resides, where my soul resides is in that understanding. So 
I'm very grateful for this opportunity to integrate a couple of the concepts that I've learned while studying Ayurveda um, and becoming a certified Ayurvedic yoga instructor, as well as what I've learned as a doctor of physical therapy and in functional medicine. So this is so exciting and I'm very grateful. Um, yeah, and that's kind of what brought me here. It's I really think that it was the the moment of flow where we all get to, or not all of us, some people do, and that's usually where the biggest change comes from. And that goes into one of the elements we're going to talk about is fire. <laughs> that's the element of transformation, the element of change. So you can't change without <laughs> transforming into something new. So, yeah. Yeah, I love that so much. And it, it's like you said, that feeling throughout your journey of of this realization of like, I'm not alone in this. Like, it's not just me going through the injuries, going through the burnout or going through like helping others first before myself. Right. And, and it's so true. I mean, there's so many things, there's so much commonality in all of our struggles right now. And, and I just want to say thank you. And I'm grateful for your mission and what you've been doing to, to better yourself and to be able to help more people. And it's, it's so beautiful. And, and I love this idea of merging Western and Eastern because I think Eastern has such profound results and Western has the science when they come together, it's just really, really powerful for any modality, any, any clientele that we're working with. It's really important to have both, isn't it? I so agree. And I feel that one answers the questions the other can't answer or it provides a more clear understanding as to why. Yeah, absolutely. I feel in um, Western medicine, specifically in the background that I was taught in, is very reduction-based. So we reduce and reduce and reduce to an organ, to a pathway, to a system. And in Eastern medicine, they don't do that. They look at you as a person with a bunch of parts working together to make you that person, but you can't be that person unless all of it is working together as a whole from a physical to a metaphysical level. So I think that they're both integral and interweavable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so beautiful because I think to me, like the way I view it, I'm much more Eastern and, and people have to like pull me down to the ground sometimes. Right. Because I'm so, um, uh, floaty, I guess, if you will, or, or have so much air element. Um, but really the, the Eastern is so important to see ourselves as a whole being, as a whole person, as a whole like process, not just one organ, not just the heart or the liver. Uh, it, it's so beautiful. And, and I do want to go back to what you said about the fire element and transformation. And that's so interesting because, um, you know, I'm, I'm learning and I'm being mentored in the five elements and some, some basic shamanism right now and more of like a Lakota tradition. And what's so interesting is, is that's being blended with Eastern, uh, and Chinese medicine. And it's, it's so beautiful because the fire element is something that one, I know really well out there in the physical world with firefighting, but also inside myself, because I really had some hardcore, like heart fire ailment going on in Chinese medicine. And that was the element that I had to like deal with. I had to deal with it internally before I could really process it and let it go. It's so interesting, isn't it? That is so interesting. And that's a beautiful reflection of how you experience it so much in your life. Cause I know you're a firefighter by trade and that that job involves experiencing a lot of fire and 
And I remember when we spoke before about what you're, were you sharing your story? And from what I listened into your podcast, that the, um, that mo that, that like, it's exactly what I was saying is that fire was that transformation for you. Like you expanded and, ex and grew consciously in a physical and a, and a metaphysical energetic way, because you had to sit with the emotion and the experience in your physical body. And it was that door. And a, I feel a lot of people have that opportunity. They just don't have the right tools to understand it. And you provide that. So that's so cool. Yeah, it's so awesome you mentioned the door because for so many years in this meditation, like in a meditation, I would I would see a door. I'm just like, what is this door about? Like, what the heck? And one of my mentors was like, well, you're supposed to walk through it, right? And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's I probably should walk through it. And it's scary, scary to really like physically walk through that door of transformation and to truly uh, for me, it was about letting go of the firefighter identity. That was, that was terrifying. and It was really hard. And it, it came down to that completing the process of that fire element. Yeah, that's very beautiful. Um, it's what's so cool about fire. Um, and what makes it like for me, when I, I didn't understand the elements at first. And when I was first learning Ayurveda, I was so overwhelmed. I, and just by all the different terminologies and the different things. I was just like, I can't even handle this. I need to put a big T-O and just spend time with the elements. So I spent some time with them physically in my body and in space and in nature. And with fire, that one was like when I started learning the Samkhya philosophy, which is the philosophical basis to Ayurveda, just one of the parts. There is also the Vedic component, but this is just the part that really helps understand the elemental representation on a manifested and um on a manifested level so the fire is the element and in the body we sense those elements so like air fire space um earth and water are all sensed in different organs in the body so fire is sensed by the eye so you see fire <laughs> and the organ of action that you use to see the fire is your feet so for me when i realized that that the root energy of fire is sight, that was just like, holy cow, my mind is blown. So if sight is elementally fire, what else in my body is happening that is like that elemental process? So that whole transformation of your viewing the world around you and it's being transformed in your eyes and in your brain on a neurological level to create this image for you to see, <laughs> is incredible. And when you think about it, just from an elemental level, but there's so, it's so complex when you get to the Western perspective of it, when you look at the different pathways and how things can go wrong and how certain things can be disrupted when those things go wrong. But I think understanding at a basis that fire relates to the eyes and the feet, that one person can use that element as medicine or poison. If, and that's obviously not by dis decision or choice, but anything can be a medicine and a poison. But um, someone can use that fire element. So like for creating transformation in like their body with like their feet, like if, um, like for example, if your body's having a very hard time transforming heat and getting out of you, just don't wear socks. <laughs> like as simple as that. <laughs> so your feet have a place to release that heat. Um, another one, like we ground a lot, right? With the earth, we look for that grounding sensation that um, 
we go earthing where we walk barefoot with the um, on grass or whatever type of surface you want to walk on and you're connecting with the the energy of the earth and we're doing that through our feet and that's how we're transforming ourselves and the earth in that moment with our feet <laughs> and that's at elementally at a basis fire so I just think it's cool when you think about it that way and you think about how as an individual you can be come more empowered with these elements and use them for yourself to create transformation or change, or even just to understand a little bit better about what the hell is going on. Because there's so many things, so many things in this world that are going on. It's like people want answers all the time and they're looking for other people to help them come to that same answer. But I think the book that turned me the most into this to myself was, um, oh man, that book, what was it called? I think it was The Four Agreements by... Paul, um, about the kid and the king and going into the desert. Oh my gosh. I was like, wow, <laughs> is that the right book? Or am I thinking that of the sounds, right? I think that's the alchemist maybe. The alchemist. Yes, that is the book. Thank you. All right. So the alchemist, that book for me, when I read it and I, it took me way too long to read it. I was like, okay, well the elements officially make sense to me. <laughs> they officially make sense to me because this book represented a story about how a kid was using the elements to help himself in life. Why can't we do that every day with our own physical health and mental health and emotional health? I just, I, I see that that was just like a door <laughs> for me. Um, but yeah, that's um, fire. I can talk a little bit about the other elements if you would like, um, just Briefly. Yeah, I think what's so interesting is like for me personally, I had to go through this fire transformation and then like go through each element personally and like really connect with that. And I think I'm still on that journey, but it's like, like my next one was water. You know, I really had to like go sit next to a river or go be in water or for some reason, like the last couple months, like showers have been like, like really focusing and, and healing for me. It's like, yeah, the water is so important and it's, um, and it's something in Chinese medicine, I was lacking lots of water because of like adrenaline, fear of firefighting, right? It's like all of this was like, all my water was completely drained from that on top of having too much fire. This was like kind of my, uh, you know, my personal journey with the elements. And it's really interesting to like, how do we balance these? And the water has been big for me. That's so beautiful. Yeah. The water is an interesting element and it's the same as for me as well. I am. It's funny. I have a lot of air, fire, and earth in my body, in my being. Not a lot of water or space. And those are the two elements I'm seeking for externally a lot. And what's great about water is it's actually cleansing to the soul because it's energetically, you're getting yourself like there's obviously water doesn't move by itself. It has to get moved by something and the air is going to help that water move. And if you sit near the water, if it's moving water or stagnant water, that's going to be different. So if you're sitting near a lake, that's going to be a very different energy for your mind and body than if you sit by a river and same with an ocean, a waterfall, your shower, <laughs> any water environment you're in, it's different just simply because of the way that the elements are moving and how they're moving. So I personally find water incredibly therapeutic as well. And what I've learned is that it's it's this thing called sattvic or sattva in Ayurveda. And that is 
the inherent state of everything, that that beautiful peace in nature, that beautiful way that storms come in and just make a giant mess. And then afterwards you're like, wow, the next day you have tons of beautiful green grass and flowers growing or like when forest fires happen and it destroys everything. And then in a couple of years you have plants growing, you have new vegetation and things coming up. And I lost where I was going with that, but it's okay. <laughs> Man, sometimes that happens when you're with the water. Element. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Ah, the water with the air. That's what got me out there. I was thinking about air a little bit. You know, the elements, when you start to embody them, you become them. <laughs> yeah. So interesting, isn't it? It is interesting. But um, so I remember where I was going. The air and the water, um, when they're together, they create a different kind of energy. And I'm sure you notice that um, from sitting by a, a river or a lake and just notice how you feel different. Like I know... When I need a state of peace and calm, I go by still water. But if I need um, processing, I need help letting go or understanding things better, I need flowing water. Mm, and yeah, that's I would agree. I, from feeling. But um, yeah. So I think one thing that's really interesting about water is that water and fire in Ayurveda are considered um, one of the constitutions or the makeups of how people's bodies represent. And the water is what makes the fire in the body different than true fire in the body. So there's two different ways you can look at fire in the body. <laughs> there's one way is it's called Agni, and that's like digestive fire. And the, um, the fire that is just true fire in the body. It's hot, sharp, subtle, and it's dry. Then you also have what's called pitta, which is the dosha, which is a word that means to vitiate. And the doshas, I think, are a topic for itself from Ayurveda's perspective, so I don't want to talk about them too much, but the elements make up the doshas. And the pitta dosha is different than fire in the body because it has water. So there's some sort of wetness to it. So that's like one of the differencing factors in Ayurveda that they talk about with the different fires in the body and understanding them. So I think it's an interesting thing to pick up on. So like if you're thinking, or not even thinking, if you're like meditating, and if you meditate to, to meditate on getting into getting out of like a stuck state. So you're in a state of awareness with yourself and you're like, I don't like how I respond or react to this. And I'd like to sit with myself for a little bit and metacognitively wonder what is going on and figure out how I can make myself have a more refined reaction to that stimulus. And you can use that, you can use fire, the Agni to just kind of transform it and burn it up. Or you can use that Pitta energy, which has a little bit of the water, which is going to help you be a little bit more, you're going to transform, but you're going to also maintain some of it. You're not going to completely get rid of it. It's going to transform into something different, if that makes sense. Electromagnetic frequencies or EMFs are affecting your body right now. The World Health Organization reports that EMFs can cause headaches, anxiety, depression, nausea, fatigue, loss of libido, and sleep disturbances. What if you could protect yourself from the EMF fogs and the 5G rollouts? I've been trying products from Essential Vibes and I noticed a huge difference. 
The live blood tests show that your blood flow increases with less globules. You sleep better, have more balance, and the muscle testing proves this. So go to mountainmindtricks.com slash EMF protection to learn more. I was so impressed with these products, I had to add this to my natural wellness program. So check out Essential Vibes and go to mountainmindtricks.com slash EMF protection. That's mountainmindtricks.com slash EMF protection. Yeah, absolutely. There's, you know, there's the fire that's going to burn and destroy everything, or there's the really good fire that's going to just, just help things along and, and help things manifest and grow differently. It's, it's uh, so beautiful. I love this. Um, you know, and for people that don't know, like Ayurvedic is, um, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, cause you know, way more than me, but it's, it's, it's similar to Chinese medicine and it's really like the base of all of, uh, Indian, like Asian Indian, uh, spirituality to health, to yoga. It's really like their holistic medicine system, right? Yes. And unfortunately it was, um, kind of looked down upon for a bit in the colonialization of India. So it did get kind of pushed out a little bit. So, um, cause I was really, I was so excited about Ayurveda, like maybe eight years ago before I knew anything about, um, what was going on outside of the U S cause I just only had so much energy to focus on what I had going on. And when I finally had the ability to start learning about other cultures and other things, I realized that people in India don't practice Ayurveda as much as we think they do. Ayurveda is actually, um, kind of looked at as still like a woo-woo science (laughs) simply because, um, of the colonialization and pushing away things that did not align with the belief systems. So. Right. Right. And I do want to get back to the elements. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. But it does have a strong base in traditional Chinese medicine too. So they're, they come from the same, um, basis and, the elements are different and I, I have not found out why I still have not gotten that answer, but I know that the representations in the bodies are very similar. Right. Like they have the meridians, they have all the same kind of organ, emotional ties. Like it's so similar and in the same way, you know, a Ayurvedic doctor or a acupuncturist or a Chinese medicine doctor is going to take your pulse, look at your tongue, like look at your stools. Like it's really, it's, it's almost the same thing. It's just got a little bit of Chinese or Indian flavor to it, right? Yeah. And it's, and it's so, it's so hard for me to really say because I've only learned from people from the West and their perspective and representation from what they've learned. So really for me to speak on Ayurveda more wholly, I would need more time to spend it in the East (laughs) learning from it a little bit more. But from what I understand, yes. Um, From what I can gather, I I believe you're correct. But I I know that um, from the people I've talked to that, like I have a friend that is an Ayurvedic practitioner that grew up in India and he learned from his grandfather and his grandfather was an Ayurvedic practitioner who learned from his grandfather. So it's like a traditionally taught thing. And he's taught me some stuff that I've learned that I'm like, wow, I haven't even learned that in Ayurveda school. (laughs) I haven't learned that here. So it's, I know that there's, um, there's things that it's hard to pinpoint specifically just because of how it's being taught and the way it's being taught over from one language to another language. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, I think one of the things I've, I've definitely dabbled in Ayurveda. I've read some books. I've, I've tried lots of things like something I do every single day is scrape my tongue, which is really, really interesting. Um, there's the coconut pulling, but what I want to ask you about is, um, before we get back into the elements is about like Ayurvedic routines and how that can completely change your entire life. I mean, when I started that, when I was, had a really serious health stuff going on, I mean, it changed everything for me almost, I mean, within two or three days, it was so crazy. I can resonate with that as well. Um, the biohacking in Ayurveda is unlike anything I've ever met in my life. <laughs> so um, what's beautiful about Ayurveda is they're very rooted in the elements and the elements are rooted in nature. So Ayurveda is not about helping you optimize your health and well-being. It's about optimizing your health and well-being in alignment with nature and the natural rhythms of life from a mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, and energetic level. So the daily practices are designed to help optimize natural biological function. So the tongue scraping that you're referring to is fantastic to do every morning to remove toxins from your tongue because it's the start of your digestive system. You digest food starting in your mouth, goes into your mouth all the way out to the other end. In that passageway, our body is doing um, metabolizing, it's detoxifying, and it's also eliminating. And in Ayurveda, they believe that health is rooted in our natural biological functions being optimal. If they're not optimal, then it's going to cause disease or it's going to cause vitiation of those doshas that I was talking about earlier. Now, I am not educated or versed into Ayurveda pathophysiology, but I can put together what I've learned about pathophysiology in my um, Western education into what I'm learning now. And one of the things that Ayurveda does is they want people to make sure that they're eliminating all things from their body at least twice a day from um, like bowels. So in the morning, definitely relieves a bowel. That is one of the Ayurvedic um, routines. And the way you do that is you maintain, you drink hot water in the morning. And that is what you do after you scrape your tongue. And you can do the oil pulling before that, um, what you refer to. Now, I like to do the oil pulling after just because when I wake up right away, I'm thirsty. So I like to scrape my tongue, drink some hot water and get going. I believe traditionally you're supposed to do the oil pulling first. Um, so the oil pulling, then the scraping the tongue and then the hot water. The hot water stimulates all digestive processes. So in the morning, um, we're waking up, the sun is rising, the sun goes up, as the sun goes up, it gets to the middle of the day, the fire of the, the nature is going to be at its highest, and then it's going to start coming down. So we want to get our digestion up and ready in the beginning in the morning, so that as we get to that midday, that midpoint, we are at our prime to digest food. So the drinking of the hot water, it stimulates what's called peristalsis, which is just kind of moving of the organ of the intestines, just kind of moving things out of the body, as well as it helps kind of wake up the stomach and get some kind of gastric juices going within there. And then in the, um, sorry, small intestine. So it kind of just pushes things out. Um, that's one thing. So about 12 to 24 ounces of water is good. If you live in a dry climate, 
like we do. <laughs> I end, I find myself drinking like 32 ounces of water in the morning before I'm even hungry, but that is variable. Everybody's different. And in Ayurveda, the main logo and the statement is it depends. <laughs> so <laughs> it depends. It's so those are three very good base ones to do every day. Another one that's really important is how you eat or kind of how you eat your meals. So in traditional, um, not traditional, more Western thinking about food, there's this big push for intermittent fasting. And there's this big push for um, six small meals a day. So intermittent fasting, there's nothing wrong with it. And it's actually appropriate for some people, but it's not right for everyone. Um, And I actually think that fasting does have its benefits and is helpful for people when used appropriately. But with that said... The intermittent fasting says you shouldn't eat anything till noon until eight. Your main, your biggest, your highest digestive fire is going to be at noon. So if you're not eating between 10 to two in the um, kind of morning, like your biggest meal, your body's not going to digest the food in its optimal way because we, we work like the environment around us. Like increases like. So if there's sun outside, we're going to have fire in our body. If it's cold outside, we're going to have cold in our body. So that's kind of one of the principles of Ayurveda. And so the main reason why you want to do that is so that you can get your digestive juices optimized. And one of the things that I'm constantly treating with people through functional medicine is low stomach acid. And that's very common in people who have diets that are, if they eat very low meals, or if they eat a vegetarian or vegan diet, that's common. And I personally eat a vegan diet had stomach acid issues. I aligned my diet to the natural rhythms of the day. I no longer have stomach acid issues. I wonder what the correlation is there. So, so, um, that's one of the important things there. That's another daily thing that people can do. And the last one that I'll talk about that is one of my favorites, absolute favorites is called Abayanga. And in my opinion, this is a non-negotiable um, for a daily practice like tongue scraping and drinking hot water. Like I do this every day. So Abhyanga is a self-massage that you can do. And it's um, basically you're rubbing oil all over your body <laughs> to just give some self-love, to move lymph, to help that natural detoxification process on your skin, but also to help moisturize and nourish your tissue. In Ayurveda, they believe that the skin is a great place to apply medication, just like any holistic um, and shamanistic type of practice. So the Abhyanga is wonderful because as a physical therapist, people come in and they are very concerned about touching their bodies, especially when they're in pain. Abhyanga gives you complete full permission to touch your body everywhere, to massage oil into it, to nourish your joints, the muscles, the skin, the nerves, and anything else that is underneath it. So your body. But the Abhyanga is a practice that is recommended that people do, especially if they're very ungrounded in their body, because it helps you ground yourself. Because prana, um, chi, that vital life force, moves out of our bodies and in our bodies in a couple different ways. And one of those ways is through touch. So I view Abhyanga as an opportunity to give myself some energy work or an opportunity to assess my tissue and how it's responding to touch. Is that sore? Oh, it's sore. I wonder why that's sore. I'll figure that out later. (laughs) Or maybe I did too much earlier in the day. So it's like a reassessment time. 
it is also, um, I personally think it is a beneficial thing that people can do because our skin is rich with bacteria. There's more bacteria in and on our bodies than there are cells, um, just totally. And when we use soap, lots of soap all the time, we're just washing that bacteria off. We're washing off a natural biofilm that keeps us healthy. So if we feed it oil, that is like, I like coconut oil because it's antimicrobial, antibacterial and antifungal. Um, but it is from an Ayurvedic perspective, very cooling. And it's not great for people who live in cold, dry climates because it won't pervade into the skin in the way it needs to. So the second one that I like a lot is yojoba oil. Yojoba is a nice, rich oil that is not too heavy or thick on the skin. Um, it is a little expensive and hard to find complete organic uh, cold-pressed yojoba oil. So another one that I like is um, that's pretty easy to find would be like an almond or a hemp seed oil. So those two are another good ones to use as well. And basically you just rub your, you rub about a quarter cup of oil total to a half a cup on your body. You can start, if you're feeling ungrounded, I would start from your head and work down just because you're pulling the energy down. But if you're feeling like your body's like, you're just not like if you have like a chakra or like a lower back or like lower hip thing, maybe start in that area and then work your way out. And the whole purpose of this is to provide time and self-love. So you take your time doing it. And I find that about 10 minutes of putting oil on and massaging into my skin and then sitting there for about five, 10 more minutes is enough time. And when I get out, my skin feels great. I've been doing this for about three years. And I know that other people have been doing it for a very long time, receiving good results. So... <laughs> If you're looking for healthier skin, that's a one way to do it. Um, and I, that that's four. I'm I can give more, but I think four is a good amount to understand. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I think that's one thing that kind of like it's it's hard for people when they see like a Ayurvedic routine. It's like oh, there's like 15 things to do in the morning yeah. and night, but it's like really you can just pick and choose the ones that are critical and maybe a couple ones that are extra, like two or three a day. And it's it's really just two or three things a day in the Ayurvedic system is going to change your life completely, right? Exactly. And if you can just, if you can't do anything and all you can do is just scrape your tongue, that would be a huge change. If you can't do anything and just drink hot water, that'll be a change. Like if you're cold all the time and you're chilly, you don't feel good. Don't drink cold water, drink warm and room temperature to hot water. And especially if you have a hard time digesting food, like it's, and that's like, and I think what's great about um, these practices, and especially with what you said as well, is that it was such a life changer for you in two to three days that if you did one and in two to three days you felt so much better, hell yeah, you're going to do a second one. <laughs> There's no, like, you're not going to question it and be like, okay, well, I'm going to do another one because it works so well. And it's about allowing the new lifestyle habit to to sit with it long enough to know if it's working or not working for you. And if it's not working, how to adapt it. Because if it's not working, then just stopping it might not be the right answer. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so this self massage, that sounds so awesome. Like I'm, I'm going to try this out. Uh, I know I've done it before, but it's, it's like, yeah. I really want to be more intentional and really try that out. And with the grounding, like that's something I'm always working on is more grounding. And, and I'm curious, how does that tie into like the earth element? Is there a lot of grounding inside the earth element or what's that like? So we, our physical body is hundred percent earth element. So in every cell, you have all five elements. You have earth, water, fire, air, and space. 
Um, so if we'll think about space for a second. There's space between the cell membrane, so where little things travel in to the cell and out. There's space inside the cell, and then there's space inside the nucleus. That's filled with water and things that help create fire. And then the air is what creates the movement. So from an oil perspective, when you're oiling your body, you're actually nourishing all five elements that way. So the grounding component to it is that you're actually, you're touching your physical body. So that's the grounding, the earthing component. So like, if you think about um, the different energy bodies or the different layers of the body, you have a physical, you have a mental, you have a breath, you have a, an emotional, and you have a bliss body. The earth element is exclude all of the elements are really in the physical and then you start to go up into more refined the earth element's not going to come with it so when we go into higher states of consciousness we go into the air and space elements because we're leaving the physical so the grounding is just any act any physical thing you can do that's in your body or touching your body or doing anything that's physical so like one thing for people like i was saying with that pitta type of kind of component in their body they tend to be very mentally driven and tend to be very focused and passionate. And I have a boyfriend that's like this. And he, what I've noticed is that he doesn't have great awareness to his body. And as a result of that continual drive and not being embodied, he's lost this connection with himself and how to move. And that's the grounding component is so you're just touching your body you're getting aware of what you feel. So like, for example, if you have a sensation change when you're rubbing your left forearm, you're like, wow, that feels different today. I'm just going to take note of that. So it can be like a, a Vipassana meditation technique where you're just noticing the sensation. So it, that's what I mean by grounding and earthing component. Yeah. And, and the air kind of breathes life into all of these elements, if you will, or air is kind of the movement, the shaker of, of all this yeah. stuff, right? Correct. Air is the only element that moves. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And in the air and space, like you said, how these are kind of the gateway elements into higher consciousness. Like, uh, explain to me how how air and space really drive us out of the body and into that higher consciousness. So, from my perspective, what I've understood about the two, being an air individual, <laughs> the air component. So, just if you were to think about. Because it's easy for people to think about physical things and then going further and further into um, unmanifested experiences. So on a physical, that air can take us out of our bodies is if we are not listening to the sensations that we're receiving and we're just continuing to keep moving and keep going and keep doing whatever we're doing, whatever it's if we're flitting around and having a good time and we're not listening to the fact that we're hungry and we're just going to ignore that we're hungry for the next 12 hours and then experience it then. That's how the air element kind of pulls us out of the physical and into a different state. And that can be um, that air state that you're getting pulled into can be whatever it is for that person. And it may be you're being pulled out of your physical body to attend to more spiritual things. And in that spiritual experience, you're having you're pulling in a lot of um, things within the ether. So the ether, I would say. And it's this not tangible by any means. It's that space where there's no physical, but you can feel everything. Um, 
and in the ether, there's no, there's not a physical form. So when you're using, getting into that with the air, bear with me here one second. So to go into higher consciousness, like I said before in the beginning, and this is, I have to pull into the earth a little bit because I personally, and this is out of my own experience and what I've seen in other people, I feel that going into higher consciousness, like going into the space and air elements really cannot be talked about unless you're talking about going from a base up. So when you're in a grounded and solid foundational state and you're using those higher elements of air and space, you're going to be looking at things that are more, um, kind of subtle in energy. So you're going to be focusing on maybe more of your subtle body and your breath and getting into those states. You have to use the physical to get there. And then once you've trained your awareness and your nervous system and your neurology to get there, then you're able to sustain it. So this, the ether, I feel, is a beautiful space to be, and I love being there. But I constantly feel that when I'm meditating up into that state of awareness and existence, I'm ignoring a part of my true role and purpose of being here. And that is actually to experience life and being grounded. <laughs> so that is where I'm coming from my perspective on how to go into those higher um, elements for consciousness. And that's really getting into a stable state, using your own physical, like your breath, your mind. And when you use your mind, you can use your thoughts. And we know that you can attune your thoughts to a frequency and say that frequency is a word like love. And you want to tune to a frequency of love, then you're actually going to then change your vibration and your, your ability to get into those higher states of consciousness easier. But being in a state of love won't work is if you have too much hate or anger or hardness in you on a physical. So, and I know it, I, I, I'm trying to answer your question without going in a complete total multiple circles, but I feel like I am. <laughs> Do you have perfect health? Could you improve your sleep, immune system, or energy levels? What about muscle recovery or detoxing from the fire season? I've been using the essential oils for a few months now, and I've been getting perfect sleep. My immune system is top notch, and I feel amazing. Essential oils are plant allies that support our bodies in a million different ways. On Guard supports your immune system. Lemon helps you detox the heavy metals from the smoke. And the peppermint will release your head tension in seconds. Support your healing journey and go to mountainmindtricks.com slash essential oils. Essential oils are hundreds of pounds of pure organic plant material pressed into a tiny amount of liquid, which means the essential oil is a powerful ally. So go to mountainmindtricks.com slash essential oils. That's mountainmindtricks.com slash essential oils. No, it's beautiful. It's it's beautiful what you're talking about, and and I think that uh, having that foundation of Earth first before going to air and space is is critical. And I can speak from experience of having a, I would say, a earth shattering Kundalini type experience that really yeah. fucked me up. Like it really fucked me up for like a year, you know. And and that's because I didn't have this stable state. I wasn't even close to a stable state. I just didn't even know what I was doing. And so I think I want to come back to that of like having the foundation first of having, you know, like our having a physical routine, having a healthy physical body, eating our foods correctly. I mean, there's so much we can do to have this physical stable state. 
mm-hmm. like you said, I think the next piece of that is really the the emotions, our thoughts. Like, what are we feeling? What are we thinking? And really diving into our baggage and releasing it. And now we can go into that space and air, right? Now we can have that alignment that's really powerful. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Yes. And thank you for sharing your Kundalini experience because um, about two years ago, my, I had, I stopped that from happening for me. Um, I, my boyfriend shared with me a story about a gentleman he knew who had a Kundalini awakening experience that left him with muscular dystrophy. And I was like, holy shit, (laughs) I'm going to remember that. And one day I was meditating and that's, I don't often sit and meditate where I'm like rigid. And my Kundalini was like, I want to come out. I'm going to go up your spine. I'm like, okay, let's do it. And I got like three quarters away and I said, no, no, I'm not ready. This is it. We're done. Went right back down. And in that moment, I realized it was a test to know if I was willing to be aware of my physical state or go with what my ego wanted. And if my ego wanted me to have this cool, crazy spiritual awakening, maybe I could have had it, or maybe I could have had an illness who knows, <laughs> but yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think it's, I think that's a very important thing that people are aware of because there's all these buzzwords and excitement around spirituality and extending into higher consciousness, but you're extending into what you don't know and what you can't see. And is an untangible compared to what we experience every day. And if you, if you're not ready for what you're going to experience, you might get burned. And some people get burned differently than others. And oftentimes it's a lesson and it's a teaching moment. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, like, I mean, I had a fever for like six months, my eyes were dilated. I mean, I was like, I really had some physical stuff come up from it. And it was, uh, it was pretty scary, you know, and, and thank God I found a really strong acupuncturist that really drew me back. And uh, it was, I would say, I wouldn't trade the experience, but I would not recommend Kundalini stuff to anybody unless they have somebody that's like an elder to walk them step by step through that. Cause it is, um, like I said earlier, it was, I would say earth shattering, right? I mean, it was like paradigm shifting. Like it was just, everything was different after that. And it's, uh, it was a big ordeal for, as you know, you've, you've, you've felt that. And it's like, it, it's, it's, it is changes everything. Yeah. Yep. And that's, it's so good to be aware of and to know that, you can get through it because I know there's people going to try <laughs> to awaken their Kundalini on their own, no matter what. <laughs> so I think it's great that you have the experience and the exposure to what happened and it can help other people through it. Because like, I don't know about you, but I know personally in the last three months, I have been struggling to stay grounded. Like, and it's my normal grounding techniques are not working and it's like, all right, well, just going to do what I can to weather the spiritual energetic roller coaster we're on. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's just in some crazy turmoil moments of time right now. And opening ourselves up to the spiritual is necessary, but doing it with intention is uh, even more uh, uh, necessary. Yeah, absolutely. So, so important. And, and, uh, I want to come back down to earth a little bit more here and, and really talk about how, how this ties into functional medicine and 
what is functional medicine and how is this tied into like physical therapy and really helping people heal better or heal faster or really get in tune with their body and heal? Yeah. So functional medicine is a systemized approach to understanding the root cause of dysfunction or disease. It's looking upstream rather than downstream and managing symptoms. So from a earth perspective, it addresses everything um, in the physical body, but it doesn't break things up into different organs. Um, I still feel functional medicine, in my opinion, is too reductionist from what I'm looking for because it reduces everything down to a pathway. And while that's great and I get super excited and love nerding out about it, what does that mean practically on an every day-to-day basis if a pathway is not working properly to a person? <laughs> to them, that's they're going to be less excited about that and less caring and more excited about how they can use lifestyle to optimize that pathway. So that's where I've been integrating the two of functional medicine and Ayurveda into physical therapy with movement medicine. So I do a lot of um, education with people about how to optimize their health through mind-body awareness and embodiment. And embodiment is just another word for being aware of what your body's going through and the physical experiences, um, energetic, emotional, and mental things you're going through and how they're you're experiencing them in your body. And in today's culture and society, we are driven to become disembodied. And that disembodiment state is actually going back to what we were talking about earlier with air and space and earth and not having a good foundation. So think about some of those people, if you can bring anyone to your mind that's like overly into like the computers, internet, and into the virtual world. They're very much so pulled into the air and space elements and are not grounded and rooted into their body in an unhealthy way. And that is like a major example. A minor example of someone I work with on a regular basis is someone who just works at a desk who sits a lot. And sitting a lot can make you disembodied because you're so focused at what you're doing on the computer or what you're tending to that you become unaware of the physical and the energetic of what you're experiencing. So that's kind of what I'm using functional medicine. Well, I'm using functional medicine for um, a way of understanding health from a holistic perspective. And I'm using that to support the reasoning and rationale for why I'm suggesting people to make lifestyle changes with an Ayurvedic lens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And gosh, I can relate to that so much because I went from, you know, wildland firefighting to really being in my body, like all the time to like being with fire and all this crazy workouts and all this like professional athlete stuff going on to like, you know, I have a podcast, I have clients online, like I have like all this online business stuff going on. It's like, holy crap, I have to ground so much more because I'm not out there all the time, you know, like doing crazy runs or these big workouts. I'm not so in my body compared to firefighting. It's been a like a big adjustment. And that's like, thank you for, for helping me realize that. Like, yeah, the virtual space is literally pulling you into the space element. That's really interesting. It is. And I always, I like, I'm so excited for this moment because I've been waiting for someone to talk to about this. The movie Wally. <laughs> Have you seen it? <laughs> it is, uh, that movie is, is, uh, actually so important. It's a really powerful movie. Like it really oh, was. 
I, I just, I think it's very relatable to today, <laughs> right now. And especially with what we're talking about and being pulled into that air and space and not into the body. Yeah. And, what- and I, and I think what I want to hit on a little bit with that, um, sorry to interrupt you, but I think that air and, and space, when we get sucked into that too much, it's like, from my experience, I'm, I'm imagining you're going to resonate with this, but it really kicks up that anxiety level. It really kicks up like some really agitated, like frustration, but anxiety really comes to mind when that air mm-hmm. and, and space is out of whack. It's, it's hardcore anxiety, isn't it? Yeah. And that is a very accurate uh, assessment that you made. So air and space make up, um, this, the dosha called vata, and vata governs all movement in the body, and it's the conductor of all the nervous system. So if you think about um, air and space, like space holds things, air moves, and nerves conduct um, an electrical frequency or an electrical impulse, and that impulse is generated through fire. It's moved by air and it's conducted in a space (laughs) that is filled with water in earth. So the anxiety component um, gets exacerbated because that movement gets increased and that transformation of fire gets increased. So there's this saying that the wind in the body can either make a fire go out or it can actually fan it. So it can fan it in a way that is appropriate or it can fan it in an appropriate way. So like, for example, if you're experiencing anxiety and stress and kind of elevated um, kind of heart rate and breathing, if you continue doing that, that's going to continue to drive that build of the fire and that, and it's going to continue to build up into that space. And you're not going to have as much air or prana to cultivate from that air and space. So it's a, that is the reasoning why, <laughs> from an Ayurvedic perspective, why when we have too much air, it causes anxiety. And I totally have lived in that for many years and still figuring out how to get my nervous system to not react to certain things in certain ways. So that is a very, very true assessment. Yeah, it's so, so interesting because after my kundalini, my first acupuncture appointment, I had all these needles in me. My body just started just shaking like crazy. I couldn't control my legs. All these crazy things was going on. The acupuncture is like, yeah, that's the wind leaving your body. It's like, whoa, that is so crazy. And it was like, it was so much energy built up and stuck from the experience that it was just like so insane to have all that air trapped in my body and and finally just leave through my legs and everything it was really weird experience. And, um, yeah, it's, it's been it just the five elements explained so much. And, and to me, I think there's, you know, behind that in, in my personal experience, there's like the platonic solids, there's a sacred geometry that goes hand in hand with this stuff. Right. Totally. I totally agree with that. And, I think when we begin, well, I mean, we can even think about sacred geometry from the flower of life and the seed of life and how there's those circles that just continue to grow and grow and grow. That's how our cells start. That's how we start as a fetus um, and it, and how we begin. And actually, air is what creates that. Air is what stimulates us becoming um, 
a fertilized egg into a zygote, into a growing fetus. That, and then over time, the other elements start to pick up their jobs and their respective duties in the physical body through gestation. And yeah, the air element is, it's so important because it's what keeps everything going. Without air, there's no life. Uh, the most, the more refined component of air is called prana. And in traditional Chinese medicine, it's qi. And it, it, I believe they move in the same way. It's just different words and different ideas of where the channels are in the body and how they're represented. But I, I swear, like what I feel in my body, that there's no difference between the, the Ayurvedic nadis and the meridians. I, they just, they feel very similar. Yeah. So, so interesting how that, those ancient wisdoms, it makes you wonder if they really came from one another. And in my personal opinion is they probably came from like Chinese medicine probably came from Ayurvedic, but that's just, just an idea I've always had, but I, I've never like really known if, how, how are they related exactly? Was there a person, was there a teacher that crossed in China or how did that happen? Do you know? So I have a theory and I think you're right that traditional Chinese medicine is based off Ayurveda. I have a theory that it's related to the Kemetic uh, principles and philosophies from Egypt. There's something very interesting about Egypt and Egyptian philosophy and what they were doing, especially, and this is going to go esoteric, and I thought this was common knowledge. My boyfriend reminded me it's not, but Sumeria. <laughs> um, are you familiar with Sumeria and Sumerians? Yeah, yeah. So that period of time, I think that it, it goes all the way back to there because, all right, going to go real esoteric. <laughs> all right. It. So the Vedas, the, I, the, I believe the truth is in the Vedas, like about all of life. But my, I always come to the question, where did they get the information to write down all of these um, shlokas in Sanskrit? Where did they get this, this knowledge? And if you think about how earth was created or was formed then and how things have spread apart, theoretically, Egypt and the Middle East would be a lot closer to India than it is now. Um, so I think that that whole area has a purpose of importance of being aware of, because in a way, that's where the Bible came from. That's where a lot of other religious texts and religious belief systems come from. And I always wonder why, like, why is that space so important? What happened there? So I think it has something to do with that area and that period of time. I don't know specifically how Ayurveda came into existence other than the ancient Indians were just sharing the shlokas to um, the rishis were sharing it to their students and then the students became rishis and then continued the tradition down the line. It was a complete verbal um, transfer of knowledge for many, many thousands of years before it was written down. So I think, and I don't know if you've looked into or had experience with Kemetic yoga. That's, that's Egyptian yoga, right? Mm -hmm. It's very close to Kundalini yoga. Yeah. And the, the energy systems and the energy healing and the energy uh, work. Oh, his name is falling off my mind right now. Um, a gentleman that had some sort of spiritual experience and traveled to Egypt because he kept having these dreams about these postures and these positions. And he's like, what is happening in these dreams? And so he went to Egypt and he saw these positions and postures uh, in the hieroglyphics. And he's like, there's something with this. And he did a lot more spiritual work and, and, and founded this, um, you know, I guess channeled, if you will, type Egyptian yoga and stuff. It's, um, gosh, I cannot remember his name right now because he's one of my favorites. Uh, but it's really interesting how much of that stuff, like you said, is, is that the seed of Indian culture? Is that the seed of, of 
really all of our spiritual texts and across the entire planet is really Egypt. I could see that. That's very interesting. Yeah. And I am a firm believer. We have not been told our true human history and our full experience on this earth. And there have been things hidden from us. Um, but I do believe that many of the religious texts that are used today to create um, kind of religions, I believe are actually history books. They actually tell true history. <laughs> I'm like, I'm reading some of them and I'm listening to some other um, people that are very big into history and they, they do have a Christian background, but I think it's interesting that they've looked into the Bible and have compared it to other texts like the Sumerian texts and um, the emerald green tablets and other things like that. And they found correlation and corroboration between the stories. So I'm not by any means an expert in this and know a lot. I just listen to my boyfriend <laughs> who's like, there's this crazy stuff going on. <laughs> right, right. And then you, you look into some of the, you know, like the Native Americans across all of North America have a flood, you know, legend. Like every culture around the world has a flood legend. And, and a lot of the work that Graham Hancock and Ron Carlson have been doing about the um, you know, potential comet impact 12,000 years ago in Canada and the actual physical evidence for uh, widespread land tidal waves from melted glaciers instantly. It's like, okay, now now stuff is starting to make sense that potentially 12,000 years ago, an advanced civilization was completely wiped out and we started over, you know? And it's like, whoa, that's not even people professors, colleges do not want to talk about that because that is like every book's going to have to be re rewritten at that point, right? Yeah, or they'll give us the real books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, it, um, yeah, go ahead. I, that is interesting. I'm very grateful that you're versed in all of this and especially the Lakota tradition as well. My boyfriend is Native American in the Lakota tribe. Um, I believe his tribe is in South Dakota, Montana area. Oh, wow. That is such a coincidence, isn't it? It is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yes. I've been slowly learning the sweat lodge and uh, I recently made my own medicine bag and that was a very spiritual, amazing experience and really powerful for me. It was uh, It was very nice, my teacher, to help me with that. That's so beautiful. Aw. So are you working with um, the Lakota tribe or are you working with just with a medicine man? I would say a medicine man that's that's uh, trained from a Lakota elder. So, you know, he's white and uh, he's a Chinese medicine acupuncturist as well. So he's got kind of the Eastern and, and Native American. Uh, it's really interesting because like a lot of the Chinese medicine that he's healed me with, it's also a lot of shaman stuff going on too in his practice. So it's it's really interesting to be to be mentored by somebody like that. That is so cool. Energy medicine is, it is, I think the foundation of real medicine. And that is um, where I think traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurveda have the, the leg up on westernized medicine is because it did not ignore or it, it did not separate the person from the soul. It kept the person and the soul together. Yeah, that's such a beautiful way to look at it. And uh, so I, I think we're bumping time here a little bit, but is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you want to talk about or anything that you want to, to bring up? No, I think that we hit on all the elements in a very 
unorganized way. So I hope it makes sense to your listeners. Um, if they have questions about this, they can look up specifically the Samkhya philosophy, and that is spelled S-A-M-K-H-Y-A. And that will describe more about the different elements and the organs um, of action and the organs of sensing and then the root energies. Um, and that's just if they're interested in more information than Ayurveda. Yeah, I love that. And where can people find you and, and where can they get a hold of you? So they can find me on Sattva Being on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And that's S-A-T-T-V-A Being. And that's, um, I have a website as well. You can find as well at sattva-being.com. And you can also find me on my personal account if you want to um, learn more about me, but that's my company. And that is my um, way of adding more positivity to the world through a integrated approach of holistic medicine. But my personal information is you can follow me on Instagram at doctor, I'm sorry, it's KT underscore the plant lady. <laughs> So letters and then underscore the plant lady. So, yeah. Yeah. And that will all be in the show notes for everybody listening. We'll get you all all your links in there and people can get a hold of you. And, and, uh, you know, I do want to, uh, talk to you about one more thing and that is, uh, let's see, 2018, uh, me and my wife went to Nepal and it was, I would say energetically the most interesting, amazing place. It felt like, uh, you were kind of at the doors of heaven almost. Like it was like, you could just walk through the mountains if like literally walk through the rock if you wanted to. It was so mystical. And, you know, we did some hikes up in the Himalayas and everybody's, you know, I didn't realize how big the Yeti is there. Like it's a really big deal. So there's all this mystical energy and really like, whoa, there's something amazing about that part of the world like we're talking about. Have you ever heard of that before? I've actually had visions of a place in the Himalayas where I, like, I've had visions of this place where gurus just sit and hang out and they're laughing. <laughs> you can't find us. You don't know where we are. <laughs> uh, we're yeah. here. And they're like actual gurus. Like, I don't know who they are or their names, but I just see like, it, it's, it's just like an energy and like an experience of what I see. And I, I asked my boyfriend about it. I was like, is there a secret place in the Himalayas where it's completely covered energetically? And he's like, you're not supposed to know about that. <laughs> And I was like, okay, well, so yes, there is something there, I believe, um, within the Himalayans between Nepal and Tibet in those mountains, I think that there is something that is protected. And it's protected by the monks and by people who have a lot of spiritual energy clouding it in. Because I, I can't see it in the essence, like, it's very weird what I can see is like, I can see in it, but I can't, and I can see around it, but I can't see where it is or how to get there or how to get in or what, like, if that makes sense. It's like, unknowing to not knowing. Yeah, absolutely. That's so interesting. And, and, uh, well, it looks, sounds like you're going to Nepal someday. That's awesome. Oh yes. India. (laughs) Um, yes. Yes. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. I am, I'm so excited about everything you're doing and everything you bring to your listeners. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. And, uh, thank you for what you're doing in your life. And, and uh, I really hope you come back to the show sometime and, and we'll talk about more amazing uh, healing modalities and awesome esoteric subjects. And yeah, we could go down a million different rabbit holes together. And yeah, uh, yeah. for everybody listening, thank you for listening to the show. And just please reach out to Dr. KT because it uh, sounds like she can just absolutely change your life with this stuff. And uh, 
I want you to just go out there and find your sacred ancestry because whatever you are, you are so much more than that.